Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We're back after enforced bye week with much to talk about as the NFL hits December with play of places up for grabs. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. It's not unusual to take a week off during the season as the Eagles and Panthers did this week. Only problem was they were supposed to be playing. In an NFL obsessed with winning, we ask why have the NFL Scotland Awards become so sought after that everyone in the NFL wants to win one? Yes, it's been another big week for the Bobags. Lots of great stories, so plenty to consider in our other two weekly award categories as well, the Belter and the Bowfin. And after we dissect week 13, we'll set the table for week 14 and finish with a check on the news and a nod to the best and worst broadcasters on TV. But Paul, let's kick off then by looking back at the Thanksgiving games. Um... It was an eventful Thursday, first of all, to kick it all off, and then it followed up with an eventful Sunday. And as we talked about, there's there's plenty of ball bags up for grabs. There, well, let's hope not. <laughs> there's plenty of people that up for being nominated for a ball bag award. I've got to think about my phrasing here. Um, plenty for the Bowfin as well. An unusual week of football. It's been very strange. So let, let's start off with a couple of the stories. One. NFC South clinched by the Saints. Now, I have to tell you, much easier than expected. I thought there'd be a challenge coming this year. Yes, Cam Newton went down, but Kyle Allen, I thought, stepped in. The Falcons have been schizophrenic. You just don't know which of the two you're going to get. But just to keep everything grounded, you know, Jameis Winston will always throw an interception or two just to make sure something that division stays the same. But everybody was talking about, who's this guy for the Lions? Who's this guy for the Lions? You saw him play. I did see him play. Um, and David Blow, David Blow, David something or other. But he was the quarterback in the final preseason game for the Cleveland Browns, played up against the Lions, came on, did not an awful lot other than throw two interceptions, certainly didn't throw a touchdown. And then immediately after the game, the news broke that the Lions had traded a seventh-round conditional pick for him. And it was a little bit like, all right, fine. So when it was announced that he was going to be starting, um, I sort of spoke to a few of my friends and discussed fantasy teams. I thought, right, well, obviously, chuck in your, your Bears players because this is going to be uh, an absolute doing. Take your Lions players out. In fact, Kenny Galladay was sat firmly on my bench. And who blew up? Kenny Galladay. Um, he started brilliantly. He came out the traps flying uh, and caught me off by guard as well. That first play, you know, the first couple of plays didn't look like much at all. You know, the Bears had gone down the field um, had done what they needed to do. And then on that third and ten, just boom, straight down the field. Galladay, now obviously when you watch the play, Galladay was away. He'd lost his man completely. He actually had to slow up slightly to let the ball catch up to him. Um, but in he goes for a touchdown. And actually... <laughs> For a while there, I thought, oh, the Lions are going to win this. The yep. Lions are going to win. It, it, it was a really good, fascinating start to the Thanksgiving Sunday games, which sometimes doesn't happen. Sometimes it can be a bit of a blowout, like uh, the halftime entertainment. Well, absolutely. <laughs> I just wish they wouldn't bother. I <laughs> genuinely just, wish they it. wouldn't bother. Just, just, just get on with things. I think there were actually three decent games. I mean, from a selfish point of view, the Saints winning in Atlanta, clinching the division there. Great T-shirts. The South is not enough. That's fantastic. But I thought the big storyline was Buffalo going into Dallas and winning there. There's been a lot of 
not hate on the Bills. I think that would be too strong, but a lot of mistrust that their schedule's been soft. So to go to a division leader, it doesn't matter which one it is, um, and to come away with a win and such a comfortable win, does it say more about the Bills or how about them Cowboys? I think it says a lot about them both. You're right, there's been a lot of scepticism, cynicism about the Bills. Really, oh, you know, they've had an easy schedule. Um, Allen's not really a great quarterback. But all they can do is beat the people put in front of them. And they're 9-3 and three for the first time since, I think, 96 or something like that. It's been a really good season. And now, actually, they go into this weekend knowing that a victory could absolutely help them keep the pressure on not just getting a wild card slot, but actually they're in a situation where if they can... If the Patriots lose to the Chiefs this week, yep. and they can manage to win. The Bills went out and the division is theirs. What? That would be stunning. <laughs> that would be utterly, utterly stunning. But they could do so. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about the Cowboys. And a Cowboys friend of mine, can I, can I just tell you, he was very unhappy the previous week as well. Uh, especially with the two tripping calls that weren't tripping calls. And again, you look at referees, there was two big calls against the Patriots. Both tripping, never tripping in a million years. You and I would have watched that and went, no. Uh, my, my friend said, yeah, Garrett will get crucified in the press and Cowboys Nation won't make a lot of difference. You know, he must be the ball bag of the week. Now, that was when they came close and should have beaten the Patriots. Now, step forward to lose at home on Thanksgiving um, is inexplicable. Um and I'm going to quote you this, this uh, line. He could, he being Jason Garrett, could bear his backside on the grassy knoll in Deezer Plaza and Jones still wouldn't fire him, <laughs> which I thought was an, an absolute terrific line. I then suggested, you know, you might want to get your hands off uh, Sean Payton because that's always uh, what comes along. And uh, my friend said he'd take Sean Connery <laughs> at this stage rather than Jason Garrett. So there's not a lot of love in Dallas. Um, Apart from if your surname is Jones. It, you know, the thing for me was with the Dallas performance, all of the options on attack felt exceptionally vanilla. It just felt tried and tested and, you know, there was nothing overly creative. There wasn't anything that made, you know, Buffalo have to change their game up or anything like that. Obviously, you know, Amari Cooper, question marks whether or not he's fit. Michael Gallup still been carrying little niggles. Ezekiel Elliott just hasn't had a great season compared to the exceptionally high standards he's set previously. Um, as I fumble my phone onto the floor <laughs> there, if you hear the thud in you, the background. You mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and you immediately fumbled. I thought that was great. You must, you planned that, right? Yeah, it just doesn't come across particularly well in a podcast. Sadly. Um, but they just, it was just, yeah, it was, ugh. There was nothing to show that there was anything they were ever going to come back with. And actually, it felt like, you know, the play from Jared Allen um, just before the half, where he basically extends through and bursts to get the extra yards to get the first down. That was absolutely massive. And it just showed a character of a quarterback who isn't interested in just doing what he needs to do and protect himself. He is the Buffalo Bills, and he will put his neck on the line as much as he would expect any one of his teammates to do the same. And when the leaders on the park are doing things like that, 
do you know what? I'm sure his coaches are saying, don't be so stupid. You don't need to be doing that. But at the same time, it sends a message to every single person around him to say, do you know what? If we're going to do this, we got to fight for every single yard. And he's fighting for every single yard. And that's exactly what you need to be the sort of team who beats those in front of you and can put a bit of fear into the opposition. When they've got to, and you look at the success of Lamar Jackson, we'll come on to that game. If you've got a quarterback that can punish you on the ground and you can't figure out how to stop him doing that, you're in trouble. And he might not, you know, Allen might not have the, the, the best arm. He might not have the best targets or anything like that. And I said Jared, it's Josh Allen, of course. Um, but Josh Allen's just, you know, he's managed to make Brown a significant receiver again. Cole Beasley went back and how nice was it to see him <laughs> stick yeah. on to Jerry Jones. Um, and it's, he's able to, Utilise the pieces around him. Frank Gore deserves a special shout out for getting into the third um, overall, you know, rushing leader ever in the NFL. And Singletary's coming through as a threat as well. So there's, it's not a team full of stars, but they've just got that grit, that determination, that edge, that little chip on the shoulder. Doubt us. Doubt us and we'll prove you wrong. And actually, where you've seen stories in the past of the Seahawks and the Patriots roll out this, oh, doubt us, oh, because maybe some people are starting to slightly question you. That's not real doubt. What yeah. the Bills have faced into it has been real doubt. And they're sticking it to people. And it's great to watch. I wonder what the odds would have been from McBookie if you said you've got to pick a team from the NFC East to win this weekend. So Dallas at home to the Bills, who are a decent team. The Eagles going off to the Dolphins. Now, Green Bay were always going to beat the Giants. But Washington? <laughs> yeah. Beating the Panthers? Where did that come from? What are the Panthers? This is my thing as well. So... It feels like this has been a real boost on and confidence from Dwayne Haskins. And actually, there was a lot of chat about the fact he didn't show up the week before to the taking the, the knee. The and final the, the play, he's taking yeah, a selfie. Which I think is hilarious. And do you know what? He's got wrapped up in the moment. He'll learn from that. I give him his due because, see, you know, what? he had a tough start. See, that's an interesting take. I've heard some people say he's a young man. He got caught up. I've heard other people say it was completely and utterly unprofessional. He actually should have been punished for it. What concerned me more is, and I can't make my mind up, I think I'm more in the middle. Where was his teammates thinking, yeah. hey, where's the big guy? Yeah. And I think, and I don't know whether that just says he's not involved with the right people there, or perhaps some people might think he's a bit too big for his boots and actually saw that he was away taking a selfie and thought, oh, you're going to get this. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I would have liked my teammates to come over and say, oi, you know, we're going on the field in a second. I wonder how much the, the footage of him having that discussion with his offensive line. And obviously the, the Redskins came out and said, no, no, nothing to see here. You know, this isn't, that isn't what he said. It's not what he meant. But actually that conversation was very clearly at, what do I need to do? That was a bunch of guys who couldn't give a damn. And that's how it came across. And there has been a rocket placed firmly up a couple of arses. Um, and it's made a big difference. They suddenly have got a little bit more about them. And you could see even like, and I say it all the time, you know, uh, CMC, everyone runs CMC, stop CMC. That's my catchphrase <laughs> yeah. of this season. But the, the Redskins found a way to restrict the damage that he was doing. And that was a huge turning point in this game um, early doors you know McCaffrey came out the, the traps as ever flying and you're thinking right they're going to go straight down here scoring that's going to be it but actually it wasn't the case 
Washington came back into the game. And it, it was fascinating to watch, actually. Um, they played really well. They played with a lot of character. I think Haskins, you got to give him a break. Yeah, do you know what? Unprofessional, of course it was. He knows better. Of course he did. Wrapped up in the moment. He just got his first NFL win after being thrown into the Lions' den with a bunch of pieces that didn't care. And, you know, people had zero expectations there. And already people starting to question whether he's got it. Well, he He's helping show that he's got something there that... Washington can now go, actually, maybe there is a young quarterback we can start to build around. Little, little spark of hope for the people in Washington. But And what about little. tickets at $4 last week for Washington? I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. For a franchise where, you know, used to be desperate to get tickets, they were the hottest ticket in town. Four bucks to go and see the Redskins. I mean, to be fair, they need to probably pay maybe 10 or 12, yeah. and then I'd go. Lots of chat as well about the fact that MetLife, by the end of that game, was just Packers fans, you know? Yeah. And the fans, especially when the weather turns like this, I think, as well. See, you look at the Baltimore Niners game, and I tell you what, see if Baltimore were 1-10 in 10 going into the game. There is no way that there would have been as many fans standing in that pouring rain with their ponchos on, screaming and shouting for the whole game. That's a sign of a team on the up and a team that's fun to watch, a team that gets you out of your seat on a Sunday afternoon for a couple of hours and you enjoy the experience. You're going along, you're spending a bunch of money and you're thinking, do you know what, I could have just sat at home and watched this myself with a few be- I would be the sort of person that would be inclined to do that, I'll be honest, I know that. If I'm having to travel and, and it's cold outside, you think, oh, do you know what, I'll maybe just sack it this week. And the worse your team gets and the less you've got to get excited about, the more likely it is you're going to stay at home. So at least the Redskins are doing something to maybe try and encourage more people back. It'll be interesting to see if they continue the form the next home game, what kind of attendance do they get. So in terms of other, other score lines that catch the eye, I mean, it was a terrific Monday night football game. Uh, I listened to a lot of it um, on the Vikings radio network, who two great broadcasters and actually the supporting cast. Really good shout out for uh, the Vikings. Really good game, 37-30. Um, Shona Duthie, friend of the pod, was there. I think she quite enjoyed herself uh, from the pictures on her Twitter timeline. Uh, other great games of the week. I mean, Baltimore against San Francisco was a good game. You mentioned that. Now, I listened to a lot of that on the Baltimore Ravens radio network. Um, <laughs> and again... Just good broadcasters, you know, very excited at the end, but I felt they gave both teams a, a fair crack. And they're not what I would class as homers, which I'd listened to. I can mention Washington and Dallas, pretty much homer broadcasters. Um, so that that was interesting, just good games. Now, there was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth that that game wasn't flexed out, but it would have been hard to flex out to the Texans-Patriots because that was a really good game. But to me, the 425 games were very, very awful. I mean, the Raiders-Chiefs, Raiders aren't ready really to challenge uh, that. Just on that, I listened to some of the Raiders radio network. Brett Musburger, what a a voice, what a guy, brilliant. (laughs) Uh, Brent Muskerberger. Um, So, uh, I mean, the Chargers and the Broncos turned out to be a decent game, but Quite frankly, who cares? Both are now four and eight, and the Rams are blown out. The Cardinals, I am genuinely amazed they didn't move that game somehow just to get it in that later slot, a national window, 425. Yeah, and do you know what? From my point of view coming into it as a Niners fan, I think that it started very positively as a Niners fan, and I think that going for it on fourth down, seeing both teams go for it on fourth down was great. Um, I think that both teams showed that they were capable of limiting each other 
I think that absolutely home advantage played an, ad- an advantage in this. I know there was a comment from Emmanuel Sanders where he said he didn't feel like the, the home fans were that loud. There's a lot of people saying that's a salty comment. Um, I guess, you know, the way that I read it, and I'm going to slightly defend him, was I think his point was more we were so in the zone, it didn't matter that they were noisy. They didn't have an impact on us because we were ready for it sort of thing rather than having a pop at the, the Ravens fans because it certainly seemed loud. The Ravens are fun to watch. I, I do not begrudge them uh, a position. I run all the way to the Super Bowl. I have hope to meet them again, and I think I think that if the Niners and the Ravens were to meet again, there's a good chance that Cal Shanahan could outcoach John Harbaugh on a replay, having now met each other. I think that it's uh, it was a really entertaining game. It had grit. Um, it had a Justin Tucker game-winning 49-yard field goal, which yep. is so Ravens. You know, even under the new Lamar Jackson Ravens, it's still Justin Tucker that's money for them, and it remains to be the case. Um, you know, can't begrudge on that. Obviously, 10-2 and two now, second in the division after that Seahawks win. Interesting stuff for you, though. Kirk Cousins is 0-8 in Monday Night Football. It's unbelievable. He doesn't like playing he, he, on a he just, Well, we don't like listening to it on <laughs> Monday either, to be to be fair. So just before we leave the Ravens 49ers, mm. if that is a repeat of the Super Bowl, the key question is, how have the Saints been screwed this year? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, well, do you know what? And it's interesting because that's going to be... So we've got... We've had the Super Bowl preview this week. And we've got the NFC Championship preview <laughs> this week coming up. So, you know, we're just we're just panning it all out. Um, Niners probably lose to the Saints, but beat them both in the offseason because that's when it matters. Um, but um, I think, you know, on this pod, we're going to have a little chat about who we see progressing possibly beyond uh, the, the, the season into the playoffs out of each of these divisions because some of them are fascinating. Um, but, you know, the Niners 10-2, and two, that was a, that was actually a lot closer that game than I thought. I thought this was the the toughest game that we had on our schedule, given the way that the Ravens are playing and given the way that the Ravens are absolutely destroying teams. I think that we showed there's there's something real about what's going on in San Francisco, and that's a positive to take away from it. Yeah, I mean beating Green Bay the previous week as you did, and then coming so close against the Ravens, absolutely, I think. That's where we are. Now, we've touched on the AFC East that the Patriots and Bills really are, are fighting for that. I think there's no doubt the Ravens have won the North. I think that's fairly certain. The Steelers are in a sneaky wee place, having beat the Browns for a potential wild card. Texans and Titans, I think the Colts have dropped out the last couple of weeks. Too bad uh, losses for them in the last few weeks, and I think that's harmed them somewhat. Uh, Texans are looking good. Titans are just, I have no idea what I'm going to get out of the Titans, so I still don't know. And in the West, I mean, the Raiders only fell to 6-6 six and six with that loss against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs are the best team. And I still maintain the Broncos are the best 4-8 and eight team in, in the league, and the Chargers have been highly disappointing. Um, in terms of wildcard, I mean, the Raiders could come through, the Titans could come through. You've got to think the Pats and Bills will both be there. Yeah, for me, definitely. I think, you know, you look at the streak column. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are on a three-game winning streak. The Patriots are now on a one-game losing streak. So momentum very much in with the Bills. Um, I think that you're definitely getting at least a wild card contend. Uh, one of the two wild cards is going to the AFC East. Yeah. I'd be surprised if it's not. Then that's where it gets interesting. Like you say, the Ravens, eight-game winning streak, 10-2. and two. You've got to say they're going to keep going and they're going to win that division. The Steelers have somehow managed to drag themselves to 7-5. and five. Uh, And that, for me, is a really interesting one because you look at the Titans, 7-5. and five. 
And I'll be honest, you kind of feel like the Titans have got a little bit more about them. You know, under Tannehill, they've certainly turned their season around. They're on a three-game winning run. The Steelers are on a two-game winning run. So that is an interesting story there. The Raiders' two-game losing streak, which takes them from six and four to six and six, yep. that's a difficult one then. you got to, you got to snap that pretty quickly. Uh, and, you know, their net points for the season still negative 87. So they they've they've got an even season, but it's definitely on the negative side of things. Whereas you look at that AFC South, you're talking about the the Colts. The Colts are six and six, but they've got a positive four. Um, two game losing streak for them. That means that you again they've got something that they need to snap if they're going to become a contender. But for me right now, you're looking at yeah, I go with you. I think that the Chiefs are in the division. I think that the Texans have enough. I think the Ravens do, and I still think that the Patriots go on. For me, then, it's the Buffalo Bills and one off the Steelers, Titans, Colts, or Raiders. Actually, the way that Tannehill's got those Titans playing, the way that Derek Henry is playing at the moment, I think it could be the Tennessee Titans. I think it could be. The thing that counts against them, I think, is strength of schedule. I think it'll come down to them and the Steelers. Now, the Titans have got Oakland. Houston and New Orleans. So you, that's not really what you want. But a New want. Orleans team that's done and dusted for the season. Do they yeah, start I mean, to... it, it could be, you know, but, you know, they could put in Taysom Hill just to have yeah. a little bit of fun. <laughs> Do everything. Exactly. <laughs> we'll Whereas the that. Steelers have Arizona, Buffalo and the Jets. Yes. So I, th- I think the edge is with them, but we'll wait and see. I think it's quite fascinating in a couple of divisions in the NFC. I mean, nobody wants to win the NFC East. I mean, I said a few weeks ago, the Cowboys were home and host because I thought the Eagles had fallen away, but Cowboys don't appear to want to win that particular division, which is just utterly bizarre. You know, they're on a two-game losing streak. The Eagles are on a three-game losing streak, and bizarrely, Washington are on a two-game win streak there. The Packers and Vikings, I mean, the Vikings, I thought, played really well on Monday Night Football. So, you know, they've still got a chance. They've got to meet each other. The NFC South, it'll be the Saints and nobody else coming out of there. And the Seahawks and 49ers have to slug it out. And I I think you've got to watch. You want that home field advantage. I mean, the Rams at 7-5, and five, I think, are as good as done. Um, but you never know. You never know. But to me, Seahawks and 49ers will come through there. I think the Packers and Bears will both make it. I think the Saints will make it. And the Cowboys. And it's still alive a little bit, even for the Eagles, who are a terrible team. But actually, the Bears at 6-6, six and six, you could argue, you know, I've got a slightly better shout than the 5-7 and seven Eagles. So there's an awful lot of strangeness around. Yes, there definitely is. Here's an interesting one. And we talked about Buffalo being unlikely, possibly going to win that division, you know, if things go their way. Here's one for you. The Washington Redskins are currently on a two-game winning run. Okay. If the Washington Redskins win out the rest of the season, if Dallas lose out the rest of the season, and if the Eagles win one game more against the Cowboys and win none other and lose the rest of the season, the Redskins would win the division. <laughs> it's utterly bizarre. <laughs> that, that really is bizarre. Can you bizarre. imagine? I wonder what the odds of McBookies are for that. In fact, I'm, I'm going to look that up in just a minute to come back to you on it. Um, NFC North, yep. Packers and Vikings, it's between the two. Um, I think that the Packers have more about them. I think in the heat of the moment and when it comes to the crunch, the man that you want at your quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Dalvin Cook came out the game last night with a shoulder injury. That could be a big blow to them. Yep. Um, obviously, a, a tough 
defeat, but that's a very good um, Russell Wilson Seahawks. Um, I'm saying Russell Wilson Seahawks because they're not Seattle Seahawks. It's just Russell Wilson. <laughs> it's just Russell Wilson. He's just he's just scoring everything. Um, I don't see anybody coming out of the NFC South. The fact that the Buccaneers have now managed to leap over the the Panthers just says everything there. Um, so for me, yeah, it's one of either the Seahawks or the Niners for the wild card. And then it's... Do you know what? The Rams at 7-5, and five, the Vikings at 8-4, and four, the Bears at 6-6, six and six, potentially. I think it's between those. For me, it's the Vikings and one off either the Seahawks and the Niners, um, with the Saints coming through, the Packers coming through, and that top one is just a crapshoot. Um, but let's let's give Dallas the benefit of the doubt because you know they seem to be giving Philadelphia every opportunity, and the Eagles don't fancy either. Yeah, but I think what's interesting, I think there's going to be a great race in the West, the Seahawks and 49ers. You want to win that division, and also the Saints aren't going to sit back. I think at ten and two because they want home field advantage. So I think they've got to you know crack on and keep going. So yeah, I think there's a lot of interest in the playoff picture. Just a couple of things before we go into the awards and leave week thirteen. I think it's worth mentioning that the Bengals finally got a win. Um, I thought that was a nice touch. Andy Dalton, who knew they had a quarterback sitting there on the bench for all these weeks? Um, I thought, actually, I picked the Bengals to win that game and the pick them. Uh, I just thought with Dalton coming back against a not very good Jets team, I fancied them to, to go all the way. So all credit to him for coming back because that's not easy. I mean, he might be thinking he's out of there next year and there's a few teams that would certainly I think improve with him under centre so yes no no totally um, I think that you know I just want to give a shout out to Scotty and all the Bengals fans that sit and watch that team uh, week in week out let's give a shout out to the guy that was living on the roof who's finally yeah. been able to join civilization once again they, well they got the he's, he's going into Cincinnati yeah exactly. <laughs> inverted commas um, oh, well there's a bunch of listeners that we had in Cincinnati no longer tuning in <laughs> sorry guys actually you know one of my all time favourite TV shows was WKRP in Cincinnati and if people don't know what that is go and look it up it looks awful now it looks truly truly awful it, it was a period piece um, you've got to, got to give that a look um, so yes let's move on to some of the awards then because like we said at the top of the show there really are a number of contenders for some of these ones this week and sure enough we've had quite a variety of people coming in with their suggestions lots of people putting their own particular teams up for awards when they've not been particularly happy so let's start off first of all with Ross Black who says belter for him is Taysom Hill he had a game block punt uh, touchdown rush and a reception. Uh, all that was all that was missing was a touchdown pass. Fair enough. You must have been pretty happy. Bowfin, obvious one, but the Eagles, what a shambles. Just trash. D is embarrassing and our play calling sucks. Trick plays, face palm emoji. So yeah, 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 yeah. Bobag, A B yet again. Please stop tweeting. I think that, yeah, we can absolutely all agree with that one. Polly got in touch. His belter, Dolphin Special Teams. That was a great play that nobody saw coming. Absolutely superb. Uh, Devin White having a belter off a game for the Bucks. His bowfin goes to the fact that nobody wants to win the NFC East. Yep. So the whole division, I think that's going to. Bobag, Booger McFarlane for another clanger, thinking <laughs> the Vikings were victims of the Minneapolis miracle. Booger McFarlane just is. I mean, if it wasn't for Antonio Brown in the Ball Bag Award, he, he may be our Ball Bag Broadcasting Award. 
Uh, Mabinex, he says, Belters, the Redskins, mathematically, they can still win the NFC East, as we touched on earlier. Uh, Baufin, the Eagles, absolutely horrendous. And Bobag is Josh Shaw suspended for betting on NFL games. Now, that's an interesting one. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about that. He's on injured reserve. He can't play. He can't influence in any way. That's a bit harsh. Now, there's two sides to every story. So let, let's go. One is you sign a contract and you say that you will not bet. So on that hand, I've absolutely no sympathy for yeah. him. On the other hand, he's obviously born out his mind. He He's not betting on himself. He's not you know doing anything that can affect the outcome of the game. A wee slap on the wrist and say, look, don't do it again, probably would have been a little bit better. But they've gone for the Les Miserables school of justice, where you get 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread. <laughs> and basically, it, it's that kind of thing. I, I just think that was incredible. So odds of 2, 4, 6, 0 oh, to 1. <laughs> Um, anyway, sorry. Ali Miserable joke. Oh. Who would have thought that? Right. Um, so, yeah, an interesting one, that one. Absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to Big Al. His belter is Josh Jacobs, who had a great game. Baufin, the rest of the Raiders offense. <laughs> and Bobag is Chucky Gruden's game plan. Um, it was that's, a Chucky that, Gruden one that was the main we started yeah. to chuckle. As that, I read that's unfair. I don't think they had a game plan. <laughs> um, so, Ewan Destoqua, who is previously been on the pods, uh, Deshaun Watson, belter, no contest. He had a pretty good game. Yeah. Um, the rugby play as well was particularly nice with the the, the layoff uh, and uh, Watson finding the corner. Very good. Uh, George Jackson, belter, Bengals, come on, they finally won a game. Give them this. Yeah, fair enough. Baufin, well, well there's a few, but the Falcons' offense was shocking and nine sacks as well, but I'm a happy Saints fan. Uh, Bob Ag- Antonio Brown, even when it's not him, it's him. <laughs> that's <laughs> that, that's why it's called the Antonio Brown Bob Ag yeah. Award. So. Uh, Jilly McLaughlin, she says, Belter, Taysom Hill, our Swiss Army knife, and Cam Jordan, four sacks. Baufin was the New York Jets, and Bob Ag was Tom Brady, 12. Special mention has to be made, though, for the Dolphins trick uh, play, never punt. It was never. It was a bizarre. Anyway, um, Matt McLaughlin he agrees. Belters, the Dolphins' special team defense. Baufin was the Cardinals' inverted commas defense. Yeah, that really was. That was uh, awful. Not a good look for Arizona. And Bob Ag was Antonio Brown. Uh, Ross McConnell, punter, touchdown pass to a kicker. Belter. Yep, says it all. Uh, Lauren Callahan he also agrees. Belters, the Dolphins' special team trick play. You don't see that sort of thing in Jason Garrett's playbook. Touched on that as well with the very vanilla Cowboys. Baufin, the NFC East as a whole, when the Redskins still have a mathematical shot at 3-9, you know it's a down year for the East. And Bobag is also him, Josh Shaw. Betting on the outcome of games in your own league is bad enough, even if the rules have been blurred recently. But reports are he bet against the Cardinals in their game and well, lost. Well, see, I mean, I give him credit for betting against the Cardinals. He's not <laughs> stupid. Okay, you might get a lucky once in a while, but he's not stupid. Um, right, a couple more here. I'll rattle through these very quickly. Ian says, Belter, Dolphins, special teams. Baufin is the Eagles losing to the Dolphins. Does anyone want to win the NFC East? The regular theme. Bobag, Antonio Brown, calling Kraft out to sign him and mention that Kraft... Uh, oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'm not going to read the rest of that let's tweet. Not go yeah. there. <laughs> this is a family show. Uh, Derek, um, Bill O'Brien is his belter. The Oakland Raiders were Baufin. Terrell Pryor is his Bobag. And then Scott Anderson. Um, 
he says, Baufin is the Dallas Cowboys, my team, but they are pathetic this last few weeks in particular. The belter for him was the Ravens getting past the 49ers. While I'd love the 49ers to win it, a Ravens win puts real pressure on New England and makes the last few weeks super interesting. And Bob Ag is Tom Brady because he's Tom Brady. And his wee greeting face the other night was getting right on my nipple ends. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a lovely turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to use that professionally, but I don't think I'd get away with it. Last one then, Tony B. He says, Belter's Miami trick play on special teams touchdown. I think we have a contender for who's getting our belter. Baufin is the whole of the NFC East. And Bobag is Jim Schwartz for staying with a secondary and especially two corners, Darby and Mills, that were getting roasted every single play. Darby Mill sounds like a bad firm of lawyers. <laughs> and that, that may be where they're having having to head. Before we decide, could I give a couple of special mentions? One is to Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan's taken an awful lot of heat for the way that he tried to chase back an interception and got knocked into Sunday from Thursday. I'd like to give some credit for, to Matt Ryan for actually trying. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's overlooked. It is very funny, yep. but I want my quarterback to try and do that because it shows that you care. It's like having a kicker like Jamie Gillen who who will tackle people and not like other kickers who kind of kick it and think, you're on your own, pal. If he gets anywhere near me, I'm just going to dive across to the sidelines and get out the way. So I thought Matt Ryan was a little bit uh, unlucky. So 3 two, one I'm going to give it here. I think Deshaun Watson for just absolute outstanding quarterback play but we're used to Deshaun Watson being pretty brilliant three Taysom Hill for doing just about everything um, you know he probably did the laundry at the end of the game he was just <laughs> that kind of guy I think you're going to go with with Miami I mean what you know just the plays that they tried to run and, and Fitzmagic for still going at it they could have chucked that game and didn't so I'm, I'm going with Miami I think the the Bowfin is the NFC East. I mean, I can't decide between the Eagles and the Cowboys. The Cowboys would probably get the nod if I had to go for one, just cumulative over the last couple of weeks. And Antonio Brown. I mean, yes, we named the Ball Bag Award after him. We're trying not to give him the Ball Bag Award. He's not even playing in the league. <laughs> yeah, he's still out ball bagging. And I'm not sure if that's a correct <laughs> use of phrase, but it is now. He's out ball bagging everybody else. Yeah, he absolutely is. Um, I, do you know what? There's not much to argue with you. There's a couple of special performances I think I'm going to call out just purely because they came from players who we wouldn't expect to see do as well. Jared Goff has taken a whole of the heat. Now, we've touched on the fact that the Cardinals' defense was terrible, but 424 yards, passer rating of 120.7, that was a really good performance. Yeah, but I got 300 yards of the weekend against the Cardinals. <laughs> so, you know, hey Well, speaking of 300 yards, Mitch Trubisky, who's had a lot of flack, 338, three touchdowns, one interception, one sack, passer rating of 118 against the Lions. Find that Lions defense isn't great, but that secondary's not terrible. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, Trubisky's had an awful awful lot of flack he showed enough of the old or last season much Trubisky um just to give the Bears enough hope to think oh maybe he's good enough that means he's going to stay next year but that, that, the that's the again. Jameis Winston school of quarterbacking yeah. you think you've got your franchise guy and he'll just throw in a great performance now and then just give you a little glimpse and then revert back to type. Yep. Who knows where the Bears go? A couple of running backs. Derek Henry continues to perform 150 yards, pretty much touchdown as well. Uh, Raheem Mostert, really good performance for the Niners, 146 yards and a touchdown. Darius Geis, got to give him credit, 129 yards and two touchdowns. You know, coming back from a really nasty injury, yeah. did really, really well. Um, Robert Woods, 172 yards. 
Kenny Galladay, 158 and a touchdown. I'm actually going to give my belter to Devontae Parker this week. I think, you know, 159 yards, two touchdowns, one of which was that amazing catch where he managed to turn, reel it in, turn on the line and tiptoe without going out of bounds all the way to the end zone. And I talked about, you know, Josh Allen doing the things that need to galvanise his team. I thought that was a play that galvanises a team. And I just thought Devontae Parker is a player who is really hit and miss, but that was a massive out-the-park hit. I thought it was brilliant. Absolutely the real belter of the week is the Dolphins special teams. It absolutely is. I'm giving it to Devontae Parker, though, just as a special mention. Uh, my bowfin is the Cardinals. That was a bad, oh, that bad was performance. That it's just horrible. really, really poor. Nothing to take away from that whatsoever. Um, really disappointing. So interesting to see how they bounce back from that. And Bob Aggett is just it's Antonio Brown. There's no point talking about anything else. Can I give a special mention out to Russell Wilson? Um, Russell Wilson is the only quarterback in NFL history who's led his team to a winning season in each of his first eight seasons, 2012 to 2019. The Seahawks are now 10-2. and two, And... I think that's just a remarkable statistic. Bearing in mind you normally go into a fairly bad team and you're going to have a couple of down years. That's quite amazing. And Pete Carroll, to be fair, has rebuilt that team around Russell Wilson. So uh, thanks to NFL Research for that. If you don't follow them on Twitter, do so. They've got some brilliant stuff. I just that That's the one that caught my eye. Yeah. Um, actually, I forgot a Bob Ag uh, award nomination it would actually be from me, uh, Gordon McGuinness, who literally within 13 seconds <laughs> of the full-time whistle going in Baltimore sent me a gift message of smugness. Granted, it was very quickly followed up with a, well, that was a bit closer than I expected, but still, come on, let it, let the dust settle before you noise me up, Gordon, honestly. How Bob. quickly were you planning to noise him up if that field goal had missed? Quicker than that. Yeah, exactly. Quicker than that. Um, as quickly as I noised up Charles the week before when the, the Niners destroyed the Packers, uh, Charles is now due me a burger for that one, by the way, just for those um, that haven't been following. Um, but right, on to week 15 then. Or, week 14. Or week, week Let's four, look we'll at do, week 14. We'll do Let's week get, 14 first. Jump ahead yeah. of myself. <laughs> um, and we'll do our pick six selection. But before we do that, we need to just have a very quick review on how things are looking so far. Because it was uh, another interesting week. I think, and we mentioned this on Twitter, um, that the odds between all of the six picks that we picked and were all quite different. Yep. They were really close and it just showed how tight some of the games were this week, which was quite something. So, um, I had, me and Charles basically picked the same. Had a couple of crackers, five out of six. Pretty decent performance. Gordon got four out of six. Ian with three. Jamie with four. Yourself with three. So, me and Charles at the back have just narrowed that a little bit. Um, But we keep going. There's still plenty of time left in the season. Jamie and I are at the top. Jamie is now, I think, three games up because we differed on one game this week and those Steelers went and beat the Browns. (laughs) You're bang on. That's exactly it. Yep. Um, You know... that was it. It was, it was. We all thought the Browns were going to win, but um, yes, well done, Jamie, on doing that one. That's why Jamie's still, top. Still plenty of time to go in this one, but Paul, on to this week's games. Then we kick off first of all with the doesn't really matter for very much whatsoever in the NFC South, the Panthers at the Falcons. Well, I mean, we're obviously going high early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, draw uh, them in early with uh, a big high ticket item. I mean, that, that, that's almost a horrible, horrible game, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, w- w- when you look at it, 
it, you just wonder how teams are going to go. Does home advantage count? I think the Panthers are actually the better team. Um, so at, at the moment, that that's where I would go. And just, so, yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah, I mean, they are five and seven. They are supposed to be a little bit better. So, yeah, I'll certainly go with the Panthers there. Yeah, I think that the, the big interesting thing here is Julio Jones. Is he back? He's, you know, gone from out to questionable, but that's the natural thing that happens in the week anyway. They've had the extra time since Thursday, so a longer lead time. But like you, Christian McCaffrey's the X factor. He is significant enough. He's more than enough that can beat the Falcons. And that, that Falcons defense had a couple of flash-in-the-pan games, really stepped up, but... Mm, not quite being what they were. So they move on from that one. So, no, I agree with you there. Right, Colts at Buccaneers up next. What a horrible game to try and predict. Yeah. The Colts are the better team. I don't think anybody would argue with that. But they've lost two in a row to divisional opponents. Can they go to Tampa Bay? Now, sometimes you get the bounce because you're going to Florida, you get the heat. It's It can be a break for people. So I'm going to go with the Colts. Going to go with the Colts. So I'm going to go with the Buccaneers. I feel like they are... I'm not going to say that they're, they're in the ascendancy because they're not, but it feels like it just feels a little bit more focused. And it feels like Jameis isn't being quite as wasteful at the moment. I think that the Colts, you know, Marlon Mack out has definitely had an impact. The running game isn't as effective. And I think that the one thing that the Bucks can do is handle the running game pretty well. So you're forcing Jacoby Brissett to throw. Uh, he obviously had a good connection with Doyle. T.Y. Hilton's just not quite right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Bucks could win this. Home field advantage comes in. Next up is a biggie. Ravens at Bills. You've picked games this week that you could actually argue. If it was a debating society, you could argue both ways. Now, early betting, I know from the pigskin pick'em, is has the Ravens at 86% against the Bills at 14%. Now, that's outrageous, given the fact the Bills are at home, they're 9-3. and three. Baltimore are great. They've won eight in a row. They're going to slip up somewhere. What I'm going to do in this one at the moment, because I'm going to put a little asterisk because I want to go and research, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because if there's bad weather in Buffalo... I'm just looking it up as we type, yeah. so I'll give you this. I, I think that's important, and I think that is a factor in this. So Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, seven degrees... Seven degrees and sun. Sun, so it's not snowing. Snowing, um, potential for snow today, tomorrow, and Friday, but no snow due on Saturday or Sunday. Seven degrees, um, wind about 17 miles an hour. No snow, no bills, go Ravens. No snow, no bills, go Ravens. So, yeah, and actually, it's the same thing that I would go and look up as well. It's going to be cold up there, it's going to be noisy up there. I don't think. This Ravens run can last forever. See that—that's what's catching me. Yep. They're gonna—they're gonna drop at some point. And I think that the the Bills have beaten everything that they've needed to beat that's been put in front of them. They have a running quarterback who can damage on the ground, so they know they're in that sort of position of advantage and knowledge because they have a guy that does it themselves. They, you would like to think they've got half an half an idea how to deal and tackle it. That might not be the case. It may transpire that Lamar Jackson runs all over them. But I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They've had cynicism. They've had doubt, scepticism. Buffalo, I am on that Buffalo bandwagon. I'm backing you. I think you're going to beat the Ravens. Now, I can't remember where we are on our 
chicken wing, buffalo wing <laughs> bet. Um, I think we're evens at the moment. Well, I still think I'm ahead. However, <laughs> why don't we do bucket of chicken wings on this one? Bucket Fine. of buffalo wings on this one. Um, I'll take the Ravens, you take the Bills. And buffalo wings, buffalo sauce on, on the game. Fine. Sounds good to me. Bucket of wings game. Um, <laughs> next up, it's the LA Chargers at the... Garner Minshew-led Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, this is horrible. I mean, this is horrible. I mean, the the Chargers, you know, just lost in Denver. I think their season's gone. I think Jacksonville need this one because, again, are we going to see another coaching change in Jacksonville? You know, are we going to see a coaching change in Carolina? We might carry that over till next week, so it'll be interesting to see... I'm going to go for the team from the West Coast travelling. Tends not to like travelling across the country uh, for the early start, although it's a five past four to make it easier for, for them. Um, oh, gee whiz. It's like to try to pick between your children. You know, <laughs> Which one do you prefer? And in this case, you want neither of them. No, you want neither of them, yeah. <laughs> it's like being picked between somebody else's children. Um, no, the, the, the Jags, I think, I'll take simply because the Chargers have disappointed me so often along the way this season. Now, you know I was hot on the Chargers. And, I, I, you know, I went with their case. And even when they had a couple of bad losses, I went for the Chargers. I mean, mind you, going with the Jacksonville Jaguars doesn't fill me with any great confidence no. either. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to help you because I'm going to balance it by going for the Chargers myself. I think that Minshew Mania is back, and I'm delighted. I think that it's the right decision. I've got nothing against Nick Foles. I really like Nick Foles. I think that it was a really good move by Jacksonville to go pick him up. It isn't working out for whatever reason, and things were working better under Minshew, other than that game at Wembley when it went... You know, the wheels oh, really came off. Horrible. But other than that, which you can put down to a whole bunch of things, including the fact that it's the first time he'd ever travelled that sort of distance, uh, he's he's got real potential. And I think there's a lot more positive came out of it. Now, he went into the game at a point where the game was over and he did some stuff. It doesn't... I'm not reading too much into that. But I do think that, you know, Foles was bad enough that it just was beyond him. I think that we do pick up the hot seat conversation next week because I think that Doug Marone's firmly on it. Yeah. Uh, I talked about it even last season that I was surprised he didn't get it last year. This was his season to prove himself, so we'll pick that up. But uh, I think that the Chargers come into this, they'll be hearting off of a late, stupid call play against the the the, the Broncos, why they didn't go for it on fourth and one when they were going for it further down the field. And I, I don't really understand that bad management on that front. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think that they bounce back from that. They've got better players. I think that Derwin James is getting fitter, and that's only going to help them. Chargers win. Um, I'm going to skip to a later game and come back because I think the last one's a real good talking point. So we'll say Seahawks at Rams up next. Oh, horrible game. I think the a Rams. Great game. Yeah, horrible. To pick, horrible yeah. to pick. Yeah, I mean they've all been horrible to pick. Again, you could argue. When it comes to it, it's divisional rivals, so the games tend to be tighter anyway. Seattle are just coming down the coast. There's no great cross-travel or anything like that. And to me, the Seahawks are the better team. So I'm I'm certainly going with the, the Seahawks. I could understand the Rams. It's the Sunday night football game. It's, you know, they've not flexed out um, the Saints game, for example, which I thought they might have done. I think it's a really good game to watch, but I'm certainly going with the, with the Saints. Uh, the Saints. <laughs> Anybody beat the Rams? The Seattle Seahawks. Sorry, there's my Saints bias kicking yeah, back in. Yeah, um, I agree. I think that the 
Seahawks are the better team, even traveling to LA. They've got Russell Wilson's X Factor. Uh, it, for me as well, it's between Wilson and Jackson for the MVP this year now. I don't see it being anyone else. I think that McCaffrey's had a bit of a fall off of late now. He might bounce back, but uh, to be honest, the way that Wilson and Jackson have been playing is just absolutely superb. So, the yeah, I agree with you, Seahawks. Now, last game, I've avoided the opportunity to put us head to head. And do you know what? We'll touch on it. We'll touch on it anyway. We'll touch on it anyway. But no, for the pick six. It's Chiefs at Patriots. Ooh. I mean, Mahomes is looking like he might be Mahomes again. Um, but it takes a brave man to pick against the Pats at home. And I'm not that brave man. <laughs> uh, so I, I'll go with the, the Patriots as far as that's concerned. Can I have a little moan? Yes, of course I can. A little moan. I think this will be the, the feature game on CBS. will be Tony Romo. Um, making the call, which is great with Jim Nance. But again, I think the NFL are leaving a good game to one o'clock. Um, it's the 49ers Saints. I think this is the second week running that I think the 49ers have been very unlucky not to be flexed out. It's the second time running they've been on the East Coast at one o'clock, which is a 10 o'clock start in the morning, which I think is really naff. You know, I would like to see more of these games from the West Coast. You know, can you go with a four o'clock? Yeah. You know, we, I mean, our game in New Orleans was four o'clock yeah. when we went, and it was brilliant because yeah. the build-up time is therefore fantastic. Um, so, a little moan about that. I think they're leaving that one, especially with Monday night football. Now, remember, Monday night football cannot flex yeah. in any way. Uh, that's Giants Eagles. Uh, that's the kind of game Booger McFarland deserves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, um, right. So, so yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going with the Pats. You've got to go with your pick. I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, because I think that it is Mahomes. I think that the Patriots are looking, they're wounded, I think, at the moment. And I think that, uh, well, I mean, it's interesting because the Texans obviously went to Kansas City and beat them there as well. So the Texans have gone to places and beaten people. Obviously, the, the Texans won at home against the Patriots. You're right, the Patriots are home's another beast. Um, but I think that this is the point that, if the Chiefs and Mahomes are going to have a run at the Super Bowl, this is a game they need to win because this is potentially a game that they're going to face again in the postseason if they don't win it now. Yeah. Therefore, they have to come and this is their opportunity to make sure that they don't end up doing this again later on. This is, for me, a, a do or die. And I think that the Chiefs, under that situation, tend to do really, really well. So I've got the Chiefs. On your point about the, the Saints-49ers uh, game, uh, yeah, it is one that could flex. Again, I wonder whether the fact that the Saints have won the division now comes into play. I wonder if it was a potential division-clinching game and it had gone that extra week. This could well have been flexed. But I think that... Yeah, the, the the late slate is obviously going to be dominated by that Chiefs Patriots game, and that's that's the big game, uh, and that is a bigger game now than the Niners Saints because the Saints have the division. Yes, I, yeah, yeah. But yes, I agree. Uh, I think that it's a valid point. You know, the Niners again having to play at ten a.m. But uh, what can you do? What can you do? Um, right, we were going to talk about pundits. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, the, the 2019 um, announcing schedule uh, for who's good, bad, and who's indifferent has come out. And what I like about Awful Announcing is they do this for baseball as well. Not only do they ask you um, who do you think's best, but you're asked to, to rank things into A, B, C, D, or E, I think it is, and that will or even down to F. And what they're looking at is not only 
you know, because you like certain people. But how many F votes do people get? Um, so they've ranked basically the top crews. Now, there's there's 14 of them. Now, it will come as utterly no surprise that Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland are rated at number 14. They got 33% of the votes F. <laughs> now, that takes some doing. Um, you know, so a third of people, you know, actually put them in F. They also drew the lowest percentage of both A and B grades. Right. Now, remember, they're supposed to be a top team as far as ESPN are concerned. They were the only people in the whole survey to have less than 20% of their votes in an A or B category. So I thought that was really quite interesting. I'm just going to run down them and pick out some of them. So there was 14, right? 13, Dick Stockton and Mark Slerleth. Just a Fox team. Uh, I mean, I think Dick Stockton is great. I mean, he's an absolute legend in broadcasting. Sparrow Deddies and Adam Archuleta, which is a hard name to say. He was the one talking about weird things the week before. Um, Again, they're fine. Um, As a play caller, uh, Sparrow Deddies is, is decent enough. He does basketball and things like that. So he's just one of these guys that can do... Quite a lot of things. Andrew Catlin, James Lofton on CBS are twelfth. Again, just serviceable. The one that surprised me a little bit is ten. Chris Myers and Daryl Johnson. I actually quite like listening to them. Uh, their most common grade was C, and that's probably about as vanilla as you can get. And it's interesting that the previous two announcers also their most popular grade was C. As yeah, pretty what, much everybody's a C. So everybody's far, a other C, than apart from Booger. yeah, apart from Booger, um, <laughs> Kenny Albert, Rondi Barber. I think they're okay. Um, again, again, C was most of their votes, and then you start to move up. Now this one surprised me: Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman. Not a big fan. No. I mean, I think they're okay. Uh, Greg Gumble and Trent Green. Uh, I mean, they're CBS's number two crew again. Average uh, of a B there at seven. Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis. I think Kevin Burkhart's getting a lot of love for the way that he calls games. And I mean, he was on the Bengals game at the weekend. Bengals Jets and bang, he delivered on the big moments. And that's what I like about him. Perhaps I'm surprised Joe Buck and Troitman at five. Now, Joe Buck is Marmite. You either love him or you don't. I mean, it's the same in the baseball. Um, but I'm a fan. Yeah, I'm I say I'm a fan. I think him and Aikman, I think Aikman's good. Aikman is not as good as Romo, but Aikman is one of the better sort of number two men in the setup. I think that the, yeah, I'm surprised that they're down the rankings in that one. Um, but there's some really good teams, so I'll let you continue with the, the top four. Yeah, I mean, the Kevin Burkhart one. Kevin Burkhart called some games for the Rays baseball this year. I mean, mm. he's, a, he's a serviceable broadcaster. I, I like the Rays guys, and I think they should have stayed where they were. Anyway, I think one of my favourite teams are, is Ian Eagle, despite the fact it should be Ian Eagle. <laughs> Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts, you've got to basically say he's done really well. I mean, he was a quarterback, 70s, really. And he's still calling, you know, calling the game. So longevity is there. Kevin Harlan and Rich Gannon. Kevin Harlan, like Kevin Burkhart, had some great calls. He's probably the more comical calls of recent times. I think Rich Gannon, I'm not sure he provides all that much great insight. But again, I think the 
you know, Kevin Harlan is just terrific. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on NBC are rated as number two, and probably no surprise, Jim Nance and Tony Romo is rated at number one, which is interesting because when it was Jim Nance and Phil Sims, they got battered. Yeah. I think people had fallen out of love with, with Phil Sims. So they got 66% of the votes for A. And that, that is pretty good. Uh, just 2% of the readers gave them a D or less. That tells you you're pretty much getting it right. So be and interesting to see... Of those 2% D and less, how many of them were Eagles fans? Well... <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Probably all of them. Um, you know, I, I think I can take Nance and Romo. I actually like Mal- Michaels and Collinsworth. Um, I actually think, you know, it, the only people that have actually finished ahead of their top crew... Um, basically, it isn't, and that's what's interesting. That's what I was looking for. You know, the Fox top crew there are beaten by no other Fox team. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, CBS, Nance and Romo have got one, uh, Harlan and Gannon at three, Eagle and Fouts at four. So CBS has actually got the higher rated broadcasters. And do you know, I think that there's off that list, there's nothing there that you can immediately find cause to argue with. You could potentially make a case for someone being slightly high, slightly lower. Yeah, I think Brennan and Spielman are too high for me. That would be my personal thing, but... And I think with the exception of that bottom crew, there isn't a bad crew of announcers. They're they're all absolutely more than passable. They're good at their job. They're good at what they do. You've not got a shower of clowns in these places that over the years there's been some really bad announcers that they've stuck with and you just think, good grief, why is he still doing this? Yes. But actually they've kind of, they've they've got a really good group across all the stations uh, and that, that comes through and fans do enjoy it. Fans do engage with it. Obviously if you're watching something like Red Zone then you're getting little snippets as well. So what you're maybe not doing there is appreciating who it is that's actually calling the game when you're watching it in that manner. But similarly there'll be certain plays and certain things said that will just resonate with you that's a sign of a true broadcaster absolutely i'd like red zone actually to put up captions a little bit more often just to see who the commentators are they can overlay the graphic i'd like to see that a little bit more uh, beth mowens wasn't in this list because she's an occasional commentator i think booger mcfarlane's going to complain about that yeah. <laughs> so, so he could get off <laughs> so he could get off the bottom um yeah there's a lot of talented people out there it'd be interesting to see as we again they, they they did i'm sure they've done a similar thing for sideline report you know, still think Pam Oliver is is head and shoulders above above most. She just seems to have the right contact and that ability to because they only get really one question to have a go at. She just seems to be able to pick the right question. Yes. Now, before we wrap up with the news, one little thing we've got some good news on, Paul, is that we have today been able to make a £100 cash donation to the Highland Wildcats. This is on the back of the cap that we kicked off an auction for week one um, in Edinburgh, our live event. We carried that forward through the month um, and we got a winning bid um, of £150 that basically allowed us to basically get back the cost of the item and all the money then that was profit, we donated to the Highland Wildcats. So £100 was donated to the, to the Wildcats today on behalf of the NFL Scotland podcast, but ultimately by you, our fans and our listeners. So we want to thank Jamie Gillen, first of all, for signing the cap. Great item. And thank you to the winning bidder for his bid. 
But thank you to all the fans who took part uh, and helped us drum up interest in this. Uh, we hope to do more things like this in the future. We hope to raise money for all of the teams here in Scotland, and we want to get you, the fans, involved in that every opportunity. So we hope to have more things available in the coming months. Um, I can say as well that we have been contacted and given another item that's been put forward to be auctioned or raffled off for money for the Highland Wildcats. We'll have details of that coming up. That's something that we hope to do during the postseason, but it's a pretty amazing item signed by a wide receiver um, for a team that has played in the UK. Uh, so we'll have that hopefully coming up in the new year. Yeah, it's pretty good. We, we do like to try and give things away. And you just want to try and give people a chance to, you know, get something that pretty hard to come by um, so we, we hope people enjoy that as well we'll have another giveaway of our own goodie bags soon as well absolutely any other news items catching your fancy then before we go no I just I thought we we wanted to touch on the broadcasters we find that you know a little bit interesting um, I think the other thing that we didn't really talk about is helmet gates still going on and the suspensions and things like that I think the NFL have still got that right it would be very interesting to see how that now plays out um, to see how the appeals go and things, whether they're going to back down or not. So we'll see where that where that comes. What about yourself? Anything? No, there's. I think you're right. It's just interesting now to see what pans out from here. Um, I think that there's a there's a comment from Jerry Jones um, on NFL.com, basically stating that. Um, yeah, questions about Jason Garrett's job aren't going away anytime soon. But Jerry Jones believes the coach is qualified to lead a team. It just might not be the team that he's leading. <laughs> so, you know, I think this is it. When Jason Garrett does go, it's going to be like, oh, he's a great guy. He can totally manage in the NFL. And sadly, it's just not going to be here. Um, be interesting to see. But I think definitely we'll pick this up next week. We'll talk about the hot seat. We'll talk about some of the coaches that find themselves on that. Uh, and that could make for some interesting chat. Uh, the only last thing to say would be, remember to get yourself along on Sunday to the NFL fan zones that take place at the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh at Committee Room 9 in Glasgow and I'm actually going up to Aberdeen uh, later this month to visit a venue where we hope to do an event maybe into next season I would think so uh, going up there to meet up with a couple of NFL fans um, in a bar in Aberdeen just for a sort of quick couple of beers and a chat to see how we can make that work so people in Aberdeen we are planning to do something we do have one more live event planned for this season in the postseason um, that will be on Championship Sunday that will be at the Golf Tavern more details of that will follow uh, as and when we've got information on it looking forward to that I must admit and uh, Aberdeen's always a good place to go it is it'll be cold though but yeah but that concludes anything then for episode 77 we hope you've enjoyed listening and again we'd love to hear your feedback good and bad make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Scotland NFL and on Facebook www.facebook.com forward slash Scotland NFL we'd love to get your thoughts on the podcast please leave us a review if you can our download numbers continue to go up every week absolutely get on iTunes and give us a five star please 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 so while you watch week 14, though, keep an eye out for your nominations for our weekly awards. We really have loved reading them, really enjoy going through the content every single week. Tell us your Belter, Bowfin and Bobag nominations. And don't forget to join us again next week when we'll review the Saints' thumping win over the 49ers. <laughs> Until then, bye for now. <laughs> <laughs>